You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome into another victory edition of Spits and Suds. Hello, everybody. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. What a great Monday night of hockey we just witnessed. A very exciting 4-3 to three overtime victory. The Stars take down the Seattle Kraken. Seattle ties the game with just over 20 seconds left, and then the Stars win it in overtime. Welcome to the Matt Duchesne Show. Wow. I mean, it just continues. What a year he's having. What a pickup by Jim Nill. And I'm super excited, folks, because we're wanting to get this guy to join us for a while. The D Magazine train continues. We have David Castillo. We have our man, Sean Shapiro, who will jump on with me tomorrow. D Magazine hiring some terrific writers to talk stars. And Robert Tiffin joins us. He is with D Magazine, formerly uh, with Defending Big D, at Robert Tiffin. If you you got to follow him, folks, because the analytics he throws out is terrific. Really a nice deep breakdown on your Dallas Stars. Robert, how are you tonight? Nice tilt out there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Kind of a uh, last year's uh, playoff series encapsulated into into sixty two minutes. It was pretty good. Yeah, no, it it really was. And I mean, you would think that the penalties would slow this game down, but it actually kind of you know made it exciting. And you know, both teams got a lot of penalty opportunities, but just couldn't. Um, make good on it. Stars did score with a, a six on five, but I'll tell you one thing that I loved about this game was I thought Seattle, like one of the playbooks I've been saying against the stars is, is go hard on the four check and pin those stars D men in the zone because they're struggling to get it off the boards. They're struggling with any kind of physicality. I felt as though in the first few minutes, Seattle brought that, but kudos to the stars they counter that with amazing breakouts that first goal it was so quick out of their zone and then the tic-tac-toe play you know Sagan over to Duchesne making it one to nothing it really just changed that game because early on in the first couple of minutes Seattle had some good opportunities but the stars I mean they use their speed to their advantage yeah that uh that first goal was a great example of that because you have a two-on-one uh, with Duchesne and Sagan, and you could see that they felt finally okay. We have a chance after you know having to be on their back, you know, be on their back foot for most of the game, and they 
you know, solved it with about three different passes back and forth before they finally dunked it. And that kind of told you what sort of game it was going to be right there. And it kept on going more or less. No, absolutely. Even the second goal by the stars was, uh, was on a breakout and rope hints doing a great job, you know, down on his knees, keeping the play alive. And uh, then it was uh, Pavelski to uh, Robertson uh, for yeah. the second goal. Pavelski would come up big later on. I mean, just an amazing, like, you know, I think people were expecting him to go back to the point. Seattle tired six on five. Pavelski with a cross. I mean, it was a Vetchkin like that one timer by Duchesne. It was so pretty. Uh, that's not an easy shot. I mean, granted, he had an open net, but that's coming off a, you know, that's a, I mean, that's a tough one timer. He makes it happen. It, it was just such a fun game to watch. It had a combination of, of hits. It had some really nice saves by both goalies, a lot of penalties, some good checking, a lot of odd man breakouts. It kind of, you know, I mean, I think the fans got their money's worth. Yeah, I think so. Uh, one, one of my favorite things was early on, you know, anytime you see a, a, a former star, you kind of key in on him a little bit more. Um, and Jamie Alexiak, obviously, is hard to miss for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. And him, him being the defenseman, actually, neither neither rush was really his fault, but he happened to be the last guy back for the Kraken on uh, both of those first two goals. And it was interesting because he, uh, in both cases, kind of got victimized with some really nice passing, to be fair. But then right after that first goal, Joel Hanley, of all people, was the last guy back on a two-on-one defending. And Hanley was able to shut down the two on one with a nice sliding block, uh, even though he's about a foot shorter than Alexiak. It, it was yeah. a, a weird contrast to see, okay, here's this guy who was brought in to be essentially the seventh defenseman. And he, you know, in a way is able to do this job. You'd think a guy six foot seven would, would be able to do no problem, but it just goes to show, you know, when it comes to those open lanes, like you're talking about for that Duchesne shot, uh, there's a lot more involved than just how tall you're standing. It's uh, it's where you're going. And the stars created just enough lanes tonight uh, to make him pay. Yeah. And I am like pro getting Nils Lundquist in there because you spent a first on him and I, you know, I mean, mistakes happen and, you know, I mean, I just want him to learn and I just disagree with this isn't a developmental league. And it's like, well, then you shouldn't have made a trade for him. That's it. You know, I want to be, I want to be oh, fair. Man, David's going to start banging the door down. If you bring him Nils Lundquist, you know, I know I totally, I totally get it. I totally have David and I have this all the time, but I mean, I listen, I got to call it what it is. Mm -hmm. Like I was down on Radic Fox the last year. And I think actually Radic Fox has played pretty well this year and especially in the face-off circle. Um, but I will say like, you know, Hanley played well tonight. You mentioned that two on one real nice hit on Tanif, yeah. which broke things up. Like, you know, I mean, he, you know, great seventh defenseman. Would I like to see him in the top six, you know, maybe not all the time, but at the same time, like I can't, I can't watch tonight's game and say like, Hey, you know, Nils Lundqvist has to go back in based on Hanley's play. Mm -hmm. it, it's interesting because Fox had being scratched for this game you know, my first thought was, well, maybe that's a result of the Seattle speed. And so you want some like someone like yeah. the Delandria to center that line because he'll be able to handle it a little bit better, handle that hard four check, actually track in the neutral zone a little bit better than than Foxa because he's he's great defensively. He really is, but that's not a strong point of his game, especially as he's gotten older. He's you know he's twenty nine, but gotten older, right? <laughs> uh, relatively speaking, uh, and yet 
it doesn't apply when it comes to defense, right? Which granted, it's a slightly different role. They're not in the neutral zone quite the same way as a center. Yeah. But if if you think that Nils Lundqvist would ever be useful in a game, this is probably the the type of team you'd expect him to be useful against. And clearly, they uh, they don't trust him against Seattle's forecheck, and they maybe don't trust him in a lot of different situations. But yeah, you know, kudos yeah. to Hanley. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think Delandria had a pretty good game again. You know, I mean, I like seeing Delandry in there. I know it's a matter of numbers, um, but man, I just love how hard he plays. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I, well, I yes, well. yeah, he did. He did. He had a good game overall, and I think he got stronger. He was allowed to kind of keep keep working at it. He did have that offensive zone penalty, which has been kind of yeah. a problem for him this year. And yeah, and you wonder, you know, I has he done enough to kind of stick in the lineup? I'm not so sure. It was a good game for him. Um, but also the fourth line kind of had a tough time finding ice time in the, th- in the third period also yeah. with all the special teams. So we'll see, you know, it could have been just kind of a rest and reset for Foxa as opposed to, you know, this is the new normal, but you know, with DeBoer, you, you never really know, you know, Craig Smith is also eating a lot of healthy scratches too. So he's kind of shown, he's not afraid to, you know, Dodonov took another, uh, another couple of scratches as well. So it's kind of hard to read, uh, with DeBoer, whether this is going to be, you know, more regular or this was just a one-off because of yep. a lot of games lately. So I, I know nowadays it doesn't matter what you call the number one line, but it is interesting that last year we're like, wow, maybe that Dodonov, Ben, Wyatt Johnston is the true number one line. Although the number one line in the NHL that a lot of people liked was, you know, Pavelski o- along with uh, Robertson and Hintz. Although now... If we look at, you know, if you said what is, and you put out a great tweet tonight about plus minus and what that Marchment, Sagan, and uh, Duchesne line's doing, you know, that to me is clearly the number one line uh, right now for the Stars. Yeah, they're, uh, I think the number is something like uh, they're, they're, you know, like plus 10 or something on the season, roughly. I mean, it's hard, you know, March missed some time and stuff like that, but more or less, you know, the, the Duchesne line has been scoring by far, you know, more, more than any other line, um, even, even the top line, uh, but not just scoring more than them. They've also been defending really well too. Yeah. That's the weird thing about the hints line this year is they've been given up a lot of goals. They're they're I mean, a lot of the players on that line are in the, in the minuses, which with plus minus, and again, plus minus doesn't tell you everything, but it tells you what happened and what happened is a lot of goals are going in the stars net when formerly the best line in the NHL has been on the ice. And that would be a bigger problem. It certainly is a problem, but it would be a lot bigger problem if the stars didn't happen to have this guy they got for $3 million, you know, less than Radic Faxa yeah. uh, centering, centering this line scoring. I mean, he, he, Matt Duchesne won the game for him tonight. Yeah. yeah this was the Matt Duchesne game. Absolutely. It was great. You know, seeing him like this, it reminded me of Tyler Sagan, you know, 10 years ago, just absolutely ripping one timers from all over the ice, crazy good assists up on the rush, just everywhere. Right. This is the sort of, this is what they were kind of hoping they'd get when they signed Matt Duchesne, but they knew, you know, that's probably a lot to hope for, but when he wins a game for you like tonight, Hey, yeah, no wonder they're one of the best lines in the league right now. Yeah. You know, Luds told me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, let's just get through the season, man. And I don't know if Sean said that as well, but I mean, I just keep thinking to myself, like, do yeah. you resign Duchesne? And here's why, like the reality is, is, I mean, you know, we had to use an emergency, you know, backup goaltender the other night because you're cap strapped. So this is the third year, I believe of cap strapped. And at some point you have to say, okay, 
understand Duchesne has to leave or Pavelski has to leave. Granted, they're playing at unbelievable levels because we have Maverick Bork, because we have, um, and unfortunately, those are the contracts that are expiring after this year is Pavelski um, and Duchesne. Um, but we have Logan Stankoven. So it's it's kind of interesting, and I know I shouldn't talk about it right now, but at the same time, Robert, <laughs> I'm talking about it right now because <laughs> I just keep thinking to myself, like, what are the stars going to do? This is going to be fascinating. They either have to trade yeah. some, you know, but they, they, they have to figure this out. You cannot keep Stankoven and Bork down another year. Yeah, I was, I've been, I've been saying, you know, cap, well, the stars are sort of a victim of their own health in a lot of ways. You know, they, yeah. they just, again, haven't had a lot of people going down with injury. They haven't had to really LTIR anyone yet. We found out, you know, this morning that even Jake Ottinger, they isn't apparently going to be out super long, you know, week to week, but that's, that's good news, right? That's good news. When, yep. when you first saw the injury, it looked like, oh, this could be a bad groin pull. We could be talking months. And instead it sounds like they're hoping for him to be back in, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, which is good news. Um, but the downside of that is you don't free up, you know, you don't have the ability to go over the cap and then recalling someone with that cap space. And, you know, of course, well, it's a good thing. Anyone who remembers the bankruptcy days, uh, it's a good thing that the start yeah. is spending to the cap because this is the part of your competitive window where you want to be there. Uh, it's, I'm sure Sean will have a lot more to say about it tomorrow, but, uh, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous that you have to have, uh, you know, an amateur goalie on the bench in an NHL game for a team with Stanley cup aspirations, yeah. you know, starting the game right? That that's the plan because A, the rules in place don't allow you to bring an emergency call up until you play at least, you know, player short for a game. And because that's the situation, you just haven't accrued enough cap space because you've really wanted to get all these guys up. Uh, you know, Jim Nill always likes to have a plan B, C, and D, which, you know, is a good thing when you need it. The weird thing is though, the last couple of years, the stars have been more or less pretty healthy. So they haven't needed those guys. And so they had that using up all that cap space hasn't actually benefited them that much because they haven't needed those extra guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is fascinating, but at the same time, then I fight myself because I'm like, boy, Duchesne has to stick around. I mean, him in this. Uh, well, that, that's a whole other question. If you resign yeah. Matt Duchesne, that's a whole other question. He's you know going to be 33 in January. That That's a question about what is Matt Duchesne and what Matt Duchesne will be. You know, he's playing for a contract this year also. So the critics yeah. might say that, you know, how much do you want to bet that that's the Matt Duchesne you'll get, not the one that got, you know, run out of town a little bit or, uh, you know, ran, ran himself out of town if you want to, if you want to see it that way. I, I don't, and I truly don't think we have the answer to that, but that's where, you know, I'm going to defer to Craig Ludwig on this one and say, yeah, it's a long season. Uh, Jim Nill's <laughs> not going to make that decision, you know, just yet. Right. I remember with the Jason Spezza contract, it was like yeah. a month into the season and they signed that crazy four year deal, yeah. with seven and a half million. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe that was something that was planned already and they just waited to announce it. Who knows? But yeah. this seems like, you know, maybe you'll get another year or two. That's that's pretty good out of a deal like that. But the back end of it is going to be pretty rough. So let's just uh, take our time. There's if Joe Pavelski can wait for a while to resign, Matthew Shane can wait. too. Yeah. Yeah. Now we are a couple months from the trade deadline. And those that listen to Spits and Suds uh, have known that one of the names that I've mentioned, um, if Seattle continues the way they're going, um, they would be out of playoff contention. Adam Larson is an interesting right-handed defenseman. I thought he played really well tonight. Yep. Um, he's a, just a sturdy blue liner. You're not going to get a ton of offense out of him, but he, he's there for you on defense. Pair him with Miro. There's your right left. Mm -hmm. um, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, yep. That said, you know, I kind of like for now, like I hope they experiment more uh, with, 
the Thomas Harley and Miro pairing. Yeah. Uh, the Thomas Harley thing, it's kind of tough, right? Because even though, you know, they're both left-handed, Harley and Miro do do great things together, right? They, yeah. they really do. They're both great skaters. You know, they're, they're, there's a reason that Thomas Harley is already the default second option in overtime uh, for, in terms of defensemen. If you go with the two forward, one defenseman look, he's that good. And as we saw tonight, right, he's aggressive. He's able to make those plays. He's smart enough, too. It's not just about the fact that he can skate well. It's not just about his size. It's that he knows what's going on. He sees the ice well for a young defenseman. And so his instincts tonight, yeah, you're caught low going right to the net there. You're the sixth man of the six skaters out there. Uh, you're six, sixth furthest away from your own goal. But he knows instinctively right there, nah, I got to go to the net. I got to bust the net there. And Duchesne creates space, as he did all night, just created yeah. space, stick handling, chopping the puck up, and then waited, 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 found the seam, and Harley was there. So, yes, Harley's the sort of player who can play with Miro, but we saw in the playoffs last year the Stars need two pairings that they can rely on. And Harley has shown he can carry a pairing. I mean, he played in this game alone. He played with just about, he played at least a shift or two with every defenseman, I think, except for Essel Lindell. That's been yeah. the case for a few games now where Harley, A, because it's either Lundquist or Hanley and you want to shelter them a little bit. And B, because Harley can, can play with Suter if you need to, you know, if Miro's coming off a power play or something. Harley can play with Hawk and Paw because he's mobile enough to, to have that pairing still work pretty well and to cover up for, for Hawk and Paw. So you really want him on a second pairing Adam Larson would be a great fit for Miro. He skates well enough to, to not, you know, force Miro to have to do too much. He's right-handed, so you have Miro on his strong side, uh, which everyone seems to seems to really want to want to talk about, you know, being of benefit to Miro. I think it is a benefit. I don't know how much because, you know, who knows? We haven't seen it enough. But, uh, yeah. yeah, if he can do it, the question is how, right? What would Seattle want? And everyone's going to want Adam Larson just like everyone wants Chris Tanev right now. So the yeah. cost is going to be high. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, the cost is going to be high, especially since Larson has one more year left on his deal as well. So mm -hmm. that comes at a heftier price tag. And, and you did mention Yanni Hockenpah. Um, do want to point out, plays very well shorthanded situations. Obviously, the team's good at shorthanded, but five on five. I mean, clearly, uh, Miss Q ended up in a Seattle goal tonight. And mm -hmm. whew, that's just a, that's a tough one right now. Yeah. Well, and again, you saw this in the playoffs last year where the good when when you're able to use him in the spots you want him in, which tend to be the spots where he's not having to touch the puck too much. Uh, he's he's good. Like he understands well positionally, you know, what what he needs to do in his zone. He, he's pretty good. Uh, he's not going to be someone who's going to help you create stuff in the offensive zone. He's not necessarily going to be great in transition either. He he is kind of uh, good at a couple of things, and they're all in the defensive zone. The problem is those are all things that are about mitigating damage as opposed to creating uh, for your team. You know, we have, like Thomas Harley can do that, but he can also get the puck going the right way. He can see lanes. He can jump up on the rush and and you know contribute to to good chances, if not goals, sometimes too. So there's nothing wrong with having limited players. You need them, you know, in, in the bottom half of your blue line. But uh, the real question is, you know, 
if he's going to be on your second pairing, then you don't get to choose who he's out there against nearly yeah. as much as you do if he's if he's you know in the Joel Hanley role, right? Which is really where he's been for most of his career. It's only when he came to Dallas that he started turning into a second pairing defenseman out of necessity. So you, I, I think the road to success isn't necessarily you know uh, benching him or anything like that that people say, but it's being able to use him where you want to. But Dallas's blue line just doesn't allow them the ability to do that because you've got defensemen the coach wants to shelter even more uh, behind him. So he's going to end up taking a lot of the second pairing minutes until you find, until you find a better solution. Yeah. Clearly Jake Ottinger's the one of this team and Jake Ottinger's top 10 goalie in this league, you know, did struggle before the injury a bit, but um, there is a semblance of calmness. I feel when watching the games and Wedgwood in net. Um, the familiarity is one with his teammates, but at the same time, you know, I think his uh, control of rebounds has been tremendous. I, you know, I think his angles have been really good. Um, I, I think he's really played well under duress, um, you know, injured tonight, stayed in the game, uh, took one right off the shoulder blade, it seemed. So mm-hmm. I, I think overall, you know, Wedgwood has played well, and it's good to hear that Ottinger might not be out as long as you mentioned, you know, a few months. But at the same time, you know, a healthy Scott Wedgwood really is making a difference on this team. Man, how much would uh, how much would Ken Hitchcock have paid for Scott Wedgwood in 2017, 2018, right? Yeah. <laughs> when all he had was kind of a, a psyched out Kari Lettinen, uh yeah. waiting behind Ben Bishop, and you oh, know that stretch right. it just wasn't enough. This is exactly the sort of goalie at 2014-15, right? When they had that rotation of like UC Rennes and Anders Lindback and all those guys. Yeah, uh, good point. They got a couple other you know random guys just to try to plug that hole because they knew they needed a reliable backup, just a league average backup, right? And that's what Scott Wedgwood has been to his great credit. He's been he's been able to come in and be a goalie that's not going to lose you the game, right? And sometimes yeah. he's even been better than that, which is great. But that's really the ideal sort of backup, one who can handle you know his first game, right? They, they mentioned on the broadcast tonight his first game against Carolina last season. Right after they acquired him, he faced like fifty shots or something like that, and the Stars won. Yeah, yeah. A crazy game, and yeah. that kind of set the set the tone, I think, for his time in Dallas. He's he'll he'll weather whatever you throw at him, and he's still going to be more or less putting up a game back there, which is yeah. you know. Any any good NHL team, you can you can win with goalies like that. Just ask Chris Osgood. You you can win with goalies like that. I, I mean, the playbook's out. Just find the goalie that's playing for Arizona and get him. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, Scott Wedgwood with the Coyotes and Aiden Hill with the Coyotes. Aiden Hill. Yep. Yeah. I mean, amazing stories. Yeah. And then Aiden Hill goes. It's one step further. It's not just the Coyotes. It's like okay, I'm gonna go play for the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm gonna show up. You know, with Vegas based on injuries, and I'm going to become their star netminder. I keep waiting Sports. for Aiden Hill to cool down. And this season, he's I been am still too. one of the best goalies in the league this season. It's crazy. So I, uh, I completely agree. It helps to have that decor in front of you. But at the sure. same time, I mean, every time I say that, he makes really good saves. And he's mm-hmm. got that, like, you know, similar to Ottinger and Ben Bishop. He's just a yeah. big, big kid. Yep. So, I mean, that obviously, uh, you know, help, helps out a lot. So stars winning overtime, exciting uh, till Thursday. Wow. Going to be a good one. I'm excited about this one. Vancouver comes to town, a rematch earlier this year. Uh, stars outplayed five on five in Vancouver. That was just a tough one. Um, Hughes at the defense, you know, I mean, just Besser. You got a lot of good players. You know, Tockett's got that team playing really, really well. So, you know, I'm excited to see because, you know, one thing I've said on this podcast, Robert, is I want to see at the end of the day, 
a buildup of wins against quality opponents. Not that Seattle is not a, you know, a good team, but right now they're fringe playoff at best. But, you know, when I looked at the season as a whole and I started to go back into the schedule, I'm like, okay, what are the quality wins? Turns out two against Winnipeg's really quality. Uh, the way Winnipeg's been playing, kudos to Bonus and crew. Wow, no one saw that coming. Yeah. Um, and the New York Rangers. So those are my three quality wins this year. So it would be nice, especially on home ice, you know, to to pull something off Thursday. Yeah, winning against Vancouver is also, you know, just a, that little bit uh, more important for the Stars, yes. both because of a little bit of playoff history back, you know, going way back to like 2007, but especially for Tom Gillardi. Uh, and his history with the with the ownership with Aquilini Group over over in Vancouver, and him being from Vancouver too, uh, and, and of course Jamie Benton being being from BC as well. Uh, there's a lot of it's always a fun tilt against Vancouver, um, but yeah, they they have a lot to prove still this season. Uh, it's funny they've come in with kind of everyone was finally saying, okay, the Stars are a Cup favorite. This is their year. They they showed you know they could go toe to toe with Vegas for the most part until things went awry in that series. And we're still waiting, right? We're still waiting for them to really put together that run. They've, they've been better than not for, for the season, right? They've been finding ways to pile up points. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. It's a long season. So you really, what you don't want to do is hit, hit your stride in November, December, and then, you know, you're you're banged up and cooled down by, by April. So maybe they're just biding their time. But uh, now would be a good time, right? January is going to be here pretty soon. And uh, stars need to start rolling, start feeling like a team. You know, this game is a good example of, of kind of the danger of that mentality lasting for too long, right? They were leading yep. this game the entire night. Yep. They, it's a lot like the Seattle series uh, back back in the spring, right? They were the better team for the most part, for most of the game. Um, they they really should have won this in regulation. They had any of those power plays. You score one power play goal, you win this game in regulation. You don't give up a fluky goal in the last minute, right? You're just a little better at defending in the zone. You win that game in regulation. They They might find themselves really regretting their playoff matchup. Uh, you know, they'll say they don't care. I get it. They'll say they don't care. But, uh, you know, it, you, you want to face you want to face the the stronger teams later and, and hope that your work gets taken care of uh, for for a long playoff for a long playoff run. You want to hope that someone else wears down the other teams before they get to you. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, Vancouver will be a good, good test. Thatcher Demko isn't quite as otherworldly as he was earlier. Right. But uh, they're they're a good team. The game means a lot. So you'd think with a couple days off now that they'll be able to get up for that one and uh and really start to start to get in the role uh, or not again, Wedgwood's still going to be in that. So, so who yep. knows? Yep. And there was a play toward the end of the game. That's not going to be on the stat sheet. Yanni Gord runs into Scott Wedgwood. Hmm. Um, the replay showed, you know, he did try to hold up. Um, you know, you could clearly see snow was coming up from the ice. Yanni Gord plays that way. He goes hard um, as you know, we were talking about before we started this podcast is, you know, uh, stars fans on Twitter, Yanni Gord's dirty. Also, everyone wants Yanni Gord on the team. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, he just he's just one of those guys, and you know, I mean, and I don't mean any disrespect, but I just think he's a more talented Antoine Roussel. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, who's not going to take as many penalties and is going to score you some goals. Um, yeah. you know, kind of before Brad, um, Brad Marchand of the Bruins, um, just became that electrifying scorer brad marchant yeah. was that guy that mm -hmm. would get under your skin 
doesn't yep. do it as much as he used to, but you know, he was that guy mm. and now he's kind of got a different role with the Bruins. So I like those guys on my team because when you're having a down night, Yanni Gords are going to try to electrify you. But what I also want to point out was, you know, it happened and immediately there was a scrum and you want to see that from your team. You want that mentality of, you can't do that to my goaltender. You can't get near my goaltender like that. So, but it wasn't enough to draw a penalty for the stars, but I do like the intensity going over yeah. and sending that message. And that's good too. That shows, you know, they had, they saved kind of their energy for, for the right moments in a lot of, in a lot of ways in this game. Uh, Sagan had that play where he saved a goal too. After yes. That fluky bounce where he was able yeah. to dive. And I think that might, was that Gord too? I can't remember who it was, or maybe it was Tolvanen. Tolvan uh, but Sagan Joven just, just deflected the puck. They saved their desperation without getting foolish. Again, they, they got the better of the power play totals uh, at the end of this, this game, including the, the six on five goal that they had. So the stars were pretty smart in this one. Uh, again, they, they should have won the game. They put themselves in position to, yeah. but you know, you get the two points, the team's in a different division, probably won't end up mattering that Seattle got an extra point out of this game. So, you know, all's well that ends well, especially in a, a bit of a, a weird kind of back and forth game like this one. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about how Duchesne makes people better, but at the same time, you know, we can't forget about Tyler Sagan mm -hmm. and how well he's, you know, playing on that line as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's good to see. I know they have a relationship off the ice and, you know, that's, that's always good. I believe they're off season workout buddies or somehow they, they Duchesne and Sagan know each other pretty well. So, you know, I, I do like to say it because one thing we're not really talking about is that Sagan contract anymore. I mean, that was just like a, that was a podcast daily that we were talking about with the, was the Ben and Sagan contract. And we really haven't mentioned it lately. It, it makes a big difference. You know, the players are always say, you know, it doesn't matter who I play with, you know, it's my responsibility to, to, you know, have my game in the right shape and all that stuff. But, uh, you, you notice it with Sagan, this game, especially he was skating really well. And, and, you know, again, he's, he's had a lot of injuries and stuff. He's not, he's not 24 anymore, but he being able to keep up with Duchesne on that first goal, being able to make those passes and receive them and see those really tiny passing lanes back and forth like that on that two on one, uh, past Alexiak. Um, and side note, it was, it's nice to see Alexiak, uh, getting victimized on a two-on-one for a different team instead of all the times you seem to get victimized for Dallas. Uh, you know, no disrespect, no disrespect. Yeah, I understand. But, you, I understand. Know, you know, uh, it's always for someone who was as highly touted as he was, you know, the, he, when the stars didn't have any prime defensive prospects, they thought in the system, you know, 10 years ago, and he was supposed to be the next guy. He never quite got there. Unfair expectations, wh whatever, you know, good for him. He's, he's got a good contract. He's, he's had a nice NHL career. Good for him. It's cool to see that work out. But yes, you notice it with Sagan. Uh, playing with a player like, you know, even Marchman. Marchman's talented, right? He's flawed. He's flawed. And he's not quite the skater, that, 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 to be fair, that, that Sagan or Duchesne are. But Sagan and Duchesne, I really think Duchesne has, has upped Sagan's game. And, and Sagan also is, you know, someone that Duchesne can pass to and knows this guy is just as, just as much of a threat as I am, which forces the defense. It keeps the defense honest, too. So yeah. it's been, it, yeah, it's good it, for both of them. And one thing we'll dive into as Vancouver comes here, I mean, we talk about, you know, how good Quinn Hughes is and, you know, a likely, obviously, Norris fa favorite right now. And, you know, the the offense they have, JT Miller's back to his good ways. Patterson mm -hmm. having a good year. Um, just, you know, they, they have really good players. But one thing that they did 
that kind of flew under the radar. Stars couldn't do it based on caps restraints, but getting Nikita Zadorov and pairing him with Tyler Myers, I think that's going to be really interesting in the playoffs. That is a massive defensive pairing. So you have Quinn Hughes, but there's also some toughness, and they also picked up Ian Cole. So a lot more toughness with that Vancouver Canucks team this year. Yeah, toughness, uh, especially on defense, is something where I think a lot of it, uh, it, it's dependent on a lot of things because you can, we saw it with, you know, the, the ducks used to be known for this, right? They'd take lots of penalties, but they were big and mean all over the ice. Uh, I think Vegas is a good example of how you have to marry toughness with skill in today's NHL for it to really be effective. You, you can, uh, you know, Ian Cole is going to seem tough and intimidating if the rest of the team is forcing you to go through Ian Cole or forcing you to have to retrieve pucks against the end board with Ian Cole. If they're not fast enough through the neutral zone, you're able to build up more speed. Ian Cole's never going to get there. And yeah. so you're going to beat him to the puck. So, yes, he he can be intimidating. And, and you know, to, to a lesser degree, some of the other ones, Tyler Myers, too. He's one who's who's kind of struggled, right? He's not going to live up to that contract. But he's right. looking a lot better this this year now that you have someone like Zadorov who can skate a little bit better and, and force you to kind of go into the areas that Myers can defend really well and yeah. vice versa, too, to be fair. I mean, it's a it's a five man game more than ever these days, uh, but it's it's a big deal um, that you have someone else on your pairing or on your line or even, you know, in the five man group who forces the other team to take lanes they don't want to because every player's almost every player has limitations. Um but those limitations start to disappear when the other players are covering up the lanes you need them to cover up for you. Yeah, and the other thing about Zadorov, you know, we talk about on ice, but off the ice, really good room guy. Calgary hated to lose him. I was watching Hockey Night in Canada, and the players, you know, they were happy for him, but at the same time, tough to lose him out of the locker room. He brings a lot of personality into that room. He does uh, bring personality. He, he does, does, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But he he goes around a bunch of different teams too. I mean, he asked yeah. for a trade out of Calgary, kind of, or his agent did, or whatever. I yeah. mean, it's uh, yeah. There's you know everyone always says, well, there's a reason he doesn't stick with the team, and I who knows, right? But there's probably right. a lot more. Only the guys in the room really know what it's like there. But there's a reason, right? There's a reason a bunch of teams wanted him. They're talking to the same people we are, so you know, or they're talking to the same people we hear from on the yeah. outside, um, and they hear a lot more. So obviously, it's very much like branding. Like Brandon Cooks in for the Cowboys, Robert, hmm. where he gets traded all the time. And we actually asked Brandon Cooks on 1053 the fan. And he's like, I have no idea. <laughs> he's like, I really have no idea. I try to be a good person. And like everyone says how great of a guy he is, and yet he goes from team to team to team. Mm -hmm. And it's not like he's signing as a free agent, it's just trades, but he's like, I'm happy here. So yeah. you know, I I it, it's just sometimes uh, I guess that I guess that happens.